Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On June 19th, 12 storytellers shared their stories with our audience at Holyhound Tap Room in downtown York. Our theme for the evening was busted. We heard stories of lucky escapes from Law and Order, secrets that just couldn't be kept, and the scariest busters of all, parents. Sarah Doherty won with her story of following in her brother's footsteps and taking some liberties with her high school schedule. Hello. Um, I'll let you go. Um, (laughs) I wanted to uh, tell a story tonight about my older brother. And um, my older brother used to drive me to school when we were in high school. And um, mostly it was because I was wearing a leg brace much like the one I'm wearing tonight. I brought it as a prop, so you're welcome. (laughs) Um, So my parents were making my brother drive me to school, and um, my brother didn't like school. So sometimes he would drop me off at the front door of our high school and then drive away and go somewhere. Um, So one of these times, he dropped me off and left. Um, He picked me up after school, and the next day, we were driving home, and... uh, you know, he seemed a little worried, and I was like, what's going on? And he said, well, they found out I cut school yesterday. And I said, how'd that happen? And he said, I got to my last period, and my teacher said to me, um, so why weren't you in class yesterday? And my brother, not really thinking, um, it's probably why he should have gone to school more often, um, <laughs> he said, well, I was late to school yesterday, so that's why I missed your class. And the teacher said, If you were late to school, how is it that you missed the last period of the day? And my brother kind of just sat there and said, well, all right. So uh, the teacher said, do you want 24 hours to think about that? And my brother said, no, I'll just take the detention now. (laughs) Um, So my brother got sent for um, in-school suspension, and he had to meet with our vice principal, who did not really like my brother. And she was yelling at him and kind of trying to get under his skin, and he just kept a very even tone and, you know, told her, okay, yeah, I'm going to, fine, fine, call my parents. I don't really care. Now, the vice principal decided to call my parents, (laughs) and my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so my brother was pretty much like, my life is about to end. So she called my house, and miraculously, my mom was not home that day, taking care of my brothers and sisters. So my brother grabs me as I'm hobbling out of our high school and gets home as fast as we can. Somehow we get home before my mom, and he goes to the answering machine, listens to the entire message, and deletes it. (laughs) Um, Now, I was a goody two-shoes in high school, and I I was very about the rules. And uh, my brother's like, hey, I need you to sign this letter for mom and dad so that they won't find out that I have in-school suspension. And I was like, I'm not going to do that because I'll get in trouble too if they find out. And he was like, well then, I'm going to drop you off at the bus stop every single day. And I said, give me the damn pen. (laughs) So I forged my parents' signature, which I've done that on my own tests before, and none of those signatures were ever as beautiful as the signature I did that day. And the vice principal bought it. So my brother served his time in in in-school suspension, 
and nobody in my family was the wiser. So I was like, all right, well, he got away with that, okay. So I started getting my confidence up a little bit. So a few weeks later, I talked to my one girlfriend and I'm like, hey, let's ditch school, go get lunch, and go get our nails done. And she was like, okay. So I text my brother, I'm like, drive yourself home. <laughs> so we go to lunch, we have a great time. I pull up and we, we go to get our nails done. I am in the middle of getting my nails done when guess who decided to get their nails done? My mom. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> Sarah earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up is first-timer Ryan Vandenberg, who chronicled the great lengths he went to to hide his adventures from his conservative parents and small town. All right. Um, I grew up on the other side of the river in a rural farming community. Um, I was a member of a pretty tight-knit um, religious group. Uh, so, went to a very, very small school, uh, same 20 classmates for, for nine years. Um, and in this community, uh, everybody knew everything that was going on. Uh, you did something wrong, somebody's mom found out about it, it was the topic of discussion at church, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, t comes time for high school, everybody else goes to the uh, small, private high school, uh, the, the re religious high school. Uh, that wasn't in the cards for me. I went, I went to public high school. So here I am, the kid from the weird religious school who does his homework, who um, studies for tests during lunch. Uh, one morning I'm on the school bus and someone asked me, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm writing assembly code. It's the instructions that a microprocessor uses to, shut up. <laughs> You're a real party animal, aren't you? Um, and that nickname stuck for the rest of high school, um, party animal. Uh, you know, I was a good kid, uh, didn't get a single detention, never got in trouble. Uh, that was the path I was on. Took really hard classes, uh, lots of AP credits, that sort of stuff. So then it's time for college. And this is the first time in my entire life I've had any freedom and, uh, you know, was free of responsibility. Um, so. You know, I, I kept that hard work drive going. I took winter classes, I took summer classes. I ended up finishing two years worth of uh, college in one year. And then I decided, all these other people are having a lot of fun. I think I need to get on, on that. So uh, it, it literally was Rome Springa. <laughs> uh, so um, the school says, why don't you take a break for a semester? Your grades are pretty shitty. Um, why don't you go find something else to do for a while? So I go back to my hometown, and I'm living in a party house, and um, I'm having a good time. <laughs> so one night, I'm at my buddy's house. We're watching baseball. He had been in a little trouble, too, maybe busted a couple times himself. Uh, what we didn't know was that the local cop was watching us uh, through the big picture window as we're drinking beers and watching the Phillies. And, I get my car to go home, and you know you can fill in the blanks there. Um, so I am uh, I'm underage, so uh, I, I'm busted. The address on my license is not the party house, thankfully. <laughs> so the cop says, "All right, well you can't drive. Um, I'm going to take you to the address on your license, which is my parents' house." 
Um, had we gone back to that party house, uh, there'd be another busted story. Um, so the, the cop pulls up to my parents' house, and I say, okay, thank you, and I run around the back of the house, and the uh, cop leaves, and I walk down the, the highway to a payphone and, and call the party house and say, hey, I need some help. Just got busted. <laughs> um, so next morning comes around, I get my car back, you know, it was towed, of course, and I'm thinking, okay, small town, I know there's only a single newspaper, I know there's a police log in there, I know this is going to show up in there, um, I have to stop this newspaper from getting out. <laughs> so because it's a small town and this is a small publication, uh, the primary way that people got this newspaper was they went to the local grocery store and, and that's where they got it. So I happened to figure out when those newspapers were delivered, and I was at that grocery store 10 minutes before it happened. Uh, the guy comes in, stack of newspapers, puts them down, and uh, I snatched them all up. I, I carry them up to the checkout counter, 50 newspapers, and I just get this, you know, the dog cocks his head sideways. That's what this cashier did. And uh, I said, I would like to buy these newspapers, please. And he couldn't quite figure it out. Um, so I get him and I leave and I'm like, yes, I did it. Nobody's ever gonna find out about this. Um, happened to go by my parents' house a couple days later for dinner and my mom says, you know what? Your sister was on the homecoming court and they had pictures in the local newspaper. I went up to that grocery store, not a single newspaper there. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, I'm so mad. I don't know either, Mom. That, that's weird. That sounds really weird. Because it's a small community, three days later, I get a phone call from my mom. Mrs. Yost left me a very interesting message on the answering machine. She gets her newspaper delivered. <laughs> Busted. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Dan Johnson. Dan shared his story of getting caught in the peril of procrastination. So I grew up in Wellsville, which is a small town. It's in York County, still north of here for people that are familiar with it. And so, of course, I went to Wellsville Elementary School. And when I went through Wellsville, it was a really, really small school. There were only two teachers for every grade. There were about 25 kids in each class. So it was the kind of school where, like, everybody knows everybody. You're all friends. We didn't really have cliques or anything like that. Um, when I went there, and kind of happy, nice, you know, safe upbringing, but we had this tragedy when I was in second grade, um, a classmate of mine, his name was Kevin Butler, and he actually got hit by a car when he was crossing the street to get on the bus, and, um, you know, we found out about it one day when we came into class, and then two days later, we actually found out that, um, you know, he had died, um, so it was, you know, really sad um, kind of thing, and, and like I said, you know, we we're all friends, but Kevin and I kind of had this this interesting relationship. We were most sort of like rivals, you could almost say. Like, we'd try to like one up each other, outsmart each other. Um, he could be a little sneaky, and he definitely did things that I didn't really like. And I think it's maybe the guilt from you know the kind of relationship we had, you know, after he passed. But I just remember our interaction so vividly. And so, just a quick example of our relationship. Um, when I was in second grade, I had this really awesome pencil. Everybody in the class wanted this pencil, and nobody wanted it more than Kevin. And 
people were always trying to make trades for it. And one day, Kevin found my weakness. He came into school with a Buffalo Bills trading card. And first thing in the morning, he shows it to me. And this was, I was a huge Buffalo Bills fan. This was back when they were going to four Super Bowls in a row. And they had all these great players. And the card was like his, it was Kenneth Davis. He was like a second string running back. But it didn't matter. It said Buffalo Bills on it. And I had to have it. So we make the trade. And all day at school, I'm just like staring at this card. I'm looking at it. I'm taking precious care of it. And I can't wait to get it home and into my collection. This card is going to be my legacy. And so it's the very end of the day, and Kevin goes up to the teacher and he says, I traded for this card, um, and I want it back. So the teacher calls me up and she's like, you know, we don't trade things, it's his card, you need to give it back to him. So you, you guys see what happened, right? He got to use my pencil all day long and I got absolutely nothing out of this trade. <laughs> so I'm glad you're all on my side probably about to lose you again. And so here's where I get busted. So Kevin's parents start the Kevin Butler Memorial Scholarship Fund, and it's just a way of keeping his memory alive and you know, giving back to the community. And so every year they award $1,000 to one student. Um, and so cut to, it's my senior year of high school, and I had actually had another tragedy in my life. My father had passed away about a year and a half prior. And so at this point in my life, like I don't have a lot of motivation, like kind of direction, that kind of thing. Like my grades had stayed up well enough and you know, I did fine on my SATs. I got into college, but like I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I don't, you know, I'm going into college undecided. Um, just not super motivated, not a lot of direction. And my mom's trying to get me to apply for the Kevin Butler Scholarship Fund. And so you got to do the interview and I don't know what I would say in the interview. I don't know what I want to do. I don't really even want to wear a shirt and tie to school for that kind of thing. So like, it's like the last thing that I want to do. So, you know, it's dinner time every day. My mom keeps asking me, did you apply for the scholarship? Did you apply for the scholarship? And I keep saying, yeah, no, I'll do it. I'll do it. And the deadline passes. And so again, she asked me, did I apply? And I hadn't. It's not what I told her. And so it comes time for the senior awards show where, amongst other things, they announce who's you know, going to win the scholarship. And so, of course, I'm there in attendance with my friends. Um, you know, I'm sitting there with my friends. And my mother's also in attendance because she wants to find out if her son is going to win the Kevin Butler scholarship. Spoiler alert, he's not going to. And so, you know, Kevin's father gets up on stage when it comes time, you know, for him to announce. And, you know, he's kind of emotional, certainly, you know, understandable. So this is going to be, you know, this would have been his son's graduating class. And so, you know, he's up there and, you know, he's kind of fighting back tears and he's given his speech. And mind you, this is during the Bush administration. So he says to everyone in attendance, including my mother, this is going to be our version of No Child Left Behind. Everybody that applied for the scholarship is going to be winning $1,000 to further their education. So, Kevin, you got the last laugh, my friend. All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Tickets for our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. Please follow us on Twitter at York Story Slam, as well as on Facebook, and be sure to watch all the videos of our stories from our events on our YouTube channel. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening.
This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.